Good afternoon. And welcome to Marty Stacy Live. Very uh, special event today. We have uh, something we've never, ever done before, and that is we have a two-hour debate. Uh, John Malone from uh, Millard Community Church is uh, giving up his uh, second hour, in, in a manner of speaking, to uh, debate. And uh, so that means five to six instead of the uh, regular Bible teaching. Uh, you will be uh, hearing an extension of the debate, which means... Uh, hopefully, we'll take the word debate to new heights. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, does Jesus Christ in the New Testament sanction divorce or not? And uh, we'll get to the guests here in just a moment. Joseph Webb, uh, author of Till Death Do Us Part, has been on the uh, program on uh, my show a couple of times and uh, generated a lot of questions. Uh, before we go there, uh, I should mention uh, Rose, who is a frequent uh, listener to KCRO and um, calls in every now and then to uh, Marty Stacy Live, uh, went out to uh, Godstock at uh, Comstock, Nebraska, was out there. If uh, you've not heard, seen the uh, newspaper or uh, seen it on television, uh, Godstock uh, Festival got to blown away, literally. 70-mile-an-hour winds, uh, platform collapsed, about a half a million dollars worth of damage was called off after a Saturday night. Uh, so that's uh, what happened there. No one seriously hurt. Apparently, uh, people were spared from uh, any serious injury. Everyone apparently ran to the platform. What do you do in an open field when you've got 70-mile-an-hour winds? Uh, apparently, wall clouds and uh, uh, potential tornadoes dipping down out of the clouds uh, and and dipping back back up. Uh, the only thing really missing, I think, was uh, like hailstones. Uh, so pretty exciting out there. We're glad that uh, Rose and uh, her family got back in uh, one piece and uh, are tremendously grateful. No one was uh, seriously injured. So did, did somebody recommend that they? Uh... This is John Malone. You're listening to BibleStudy.net. <laughs> no, uh, no, no, no. Well, I have to get that in sometime. Well, uh, five to six. Go ahead. Okay, okay but wait till five, Marty. Okay. Uh, did somebody recommend they all rush to the podium? N- no, I. Or to I, the to the. I or don't. Was it just a panic. It was just a panic. I mean, seventy mile an hour winds are pretty stiff winds. So, and and, you know, you're you're standing out there in the field. Yeah, lay down. Well, that's scary to do, okay. particularly when you've got people in the back. All right. All right. Uh, let's uh, introduce uh, our uh, speaker here uh, for uh, John's opponent. His name is uh, Dr. J- well, his name isn't Dr. His title is a doctor. Uh, Joseph Webb. He is a retired pastor. Uh, he has written a book called Till Death Do Us Part. Uh, Dr. Webb, would you take about two and a half minutes and uh, introduce yourself, sir, if you would be so kind? Thank you, Marty. It's good to be on KCR, KCRO again today with you. Um, looking forward to it. In fact, I'm going to be in Nebraska in two weeks speaking in Fremont. Uh, my uh, background was Christian and Missionary Alliance. I went to a Baptist seminary, went to a, uh, an interdenominational Christian university, and to another interdenominational seminary for my final degrees. My background was from Fremont, Nebraska, where I accepted the Lord back in 1951, and by 1952 I went away to college to study for the ministry. Came out of a non-Christian background. Uh, God used, allowed me to minister to youth and in the area of music, and then later in evangelism and pastoral work, and then uh, uh, I did uh, uh, international 
seminars and so forth, but my last pastorate was for 23 years here in Florida. I retired from that in 1996, and today, um, since 1996, I have been traveling and doing seconds and promoting my books and teaching tapes, especially concerning biblical principles for Christian families and what the Bible really says about marriage and divorce. Let me ask you too, uh, Dr. Webb, why don't you define uh, your view of Scripture and uh, your view of how a person becomes a Christian? Well, the Scriptures are very, very clear on that, and I, uh, in as much as I have spoken in many, many different denominations, 30-some different denominations, the, the one thing I emphasize to people is the denominational name means absolutely nothing other than it, it identifies a certain class of belief but there are no denominations in God's mind. As far as God is concerned, there are only those who are redeemed and those who are not redeemed. And that redemption comes through repentance for our sins. Paul says we preach repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. The tragedy today is that in most churches they're talking about faith in our Lord Jesus Christ but have forgotten the element of repentance or turning away from our sins. And the Bible is very clear to say, except we repent, we'll perish. And... Um, we have what we call seeker-friendly churches today when we used to have altars where the people would come to the altar and they would repent and they would seek the Lord and then they'd commit their lives to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I think we need to get back to that and not emphasize so much our denominational. I appreciate the fact that Brother Malone is in a non-denominational church. My last church was a non-denominational community-type church. And uh, so we didn't have just one thing to emphasize. Other than, uh, we had one thing to emphasize, and that was the centrality of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the need to be born again. All right. Uh, we will continue. John Malone will introduce himself, and then we'll talk about, does Jesus Christ sanction divorce in the New Testament? Stay tuned. We are talking this afternoon on Marty Stacy Live and BibleStudy.net, two hours in a row. Does Jesus Christ sanction divorce in the New Testament? John Malone is uh, with us. I'm going to ask him to introduce himself and uh, talk about his uh, view on uh, Scripture and how one becomes a Christian. Uh, John, you have two and a half minutes. Let's go now. Well, a couple things here, Marty. I want to ask you about that topic in a minute, but uh, let me let me give a an introduction to those uh, listeners who haven't heard me introduce myself before. Uh, I was uh, I'm, I'm I'm from Omaha, I'm a native Omaha. I'm uh, 52 years old. I'm the grandfather of 16, two on the way. Um, I received the Lord as my Savior in 1975 uh, uh, through faith, simple faith, faith alone, and that's how I believe that a person is born again uh through faith in Jesus Christ what must i do to be saved believe in the lord jesus christ thou shalt be saved what is the gospel how that christ died for our sins according to the scriptures was raised again the third day according to the scriptures um, i believe in the, uh that jesus christ is god almighty incarnate i believe he's in a literal physical body flesh and bones at the right hand of god today uh i believe he's coming again in person in his physical body Feet touched down, mount of olives to earth. Um, that's a, that's the the brief version of my faith. Now, as for your topic, how, how about uh, your view of scripture? And I want to get back. Uh, every word of God is pure. Uh, God selected words from the earth. He sanctified uh, ordinary language, and uh, the word of God is God breathed. Uh, I believe in the plenary verbal inspiration of scripture. 
All right, I'm going to go to uh, Dr. Webb. Dr. Webb, I am assuming you hold a similar view of Scripture. Is that true before we start the debate here? Absolutely, and that's and that's the thing I want to talk about. As long as we have the same foundation, that the Word of God is like silver, seven times refined, God speaks no unnecessary word. And then we balance the Word, Scripture with Scripture, to come to a clear picture. This brother and I are on the same page, and uh, I appreciate that very, very much. All right, let's uh, begin the uh, debate right now. We're going to ask uh, Dr. Joseph Abe Webb, uh, does Jesus Christ permit divorce in the New Testament? Uh, what is the New Testament standard? Uh, Dr. Webb, you have uh, four minutes starting right now. Well, in order to say to bring this out, Marty, we have to go back to what marriage really constitutes. In the, in the book of Genesis, in the second chapter, God caused a sleep to fall upon Adam, and he created Eve and brought her to him. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She should be called woman because she was taken out of a man, out of man. And God immediately spoke up and said, therefore, something just took place that we have to take note of. Therefore, shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. When Jesus spoke of this in Mark, the 10th chapter, he said concerning Jesus, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and the two shall be one flesh. So they are no more or never again twain, but one flesh. And what God therefore has joined together, let not man put asunder. The Greek is even stronger. It says, No man may separate what God has joined together, literally. And... Uh, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marries another commits adultery against her. So in the New Testament, the scriptures tell us that we are to, in the Old, excuse me, in the Old Testament, if somebody committed adultery, divorce was never necessary. They were stoned to death. In the New Testament, when Jesus was confronted with a woman who was, had committed adultery, which means she was a married person and had uh, adultery or had sex outside of the marriage, Jesus forgave her and said, I don't care, excuse me, he didn't condemn her. But he said, go and sin no more. And today, for in the New Testament, the principle is not to get a divorce and get remarried because it's a covenant. And that's the thing people don't understand. Marriage is a covenant. And God says it's better never to make a vow to me than to make it and to break it. If you do, I personally will destroy the work of your hands. That's why he says that let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond that is sin. And so when we come to the covenant, the, the terms of the covenant are until death. Paul said it, Jesus said it, all the way through. Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and whoever marries her that was put away in that divorce causes her to commit adultery. So it means sex outside that covenant by both or either one constitutes adultery until the term of the covenant is over, and that's death, only death. And uh, so in the New Testament, as far as the divorce is concerned, the only thing we have close to that is when Paul said a woman should not leave her husband but if she does let her remain unmarried or be reconciled to her husband now that refers back to what God said in Jeremiah 3 he had done with Israel his wife he put her away in a divorce and he said because you've committed whoredoms and adulteries against me over and over and over again I gave you a bill of divorcement and then he goes on in verse 12 and says but if you'll only repent I will take you back because you are still my wife Now, that means that God still today is not looking for a new wife. He's still waiting on his wife for reconciliation, for the nation of Israel to come back to him as his wife. And in like manner, God says that we are, I think of uh, Hosea and Gomer. God used Gomer as the illustration of what Israel was like to God the Father. And she went away, and he brought her back, and she went away, and he redeemed her, brought her back again, over and over again. This is the principle that Jesus Christ was trying to emphasize in the New Testament, that if we divorce, 
You have to realize that only God can separate, I mean, only death can separate a marriage. You can't break a covenant, you can only violate a covenant. And you have to find out what the terms of that covenant might be. And the terms of the marriage covenant, according to God's law, is until death. And sin does not, I mean, sex does not make the marriage. So sex, the lack of sex or violation of the sex agreement cannot break the marriage. The church does not make two people one flesh. The government does not make two people one flesh. It says what God has joined together. Now that joining comes when two people commit themselves to each other. When they make that commitment, God hears it and says, I cause you to supernaturally become one flesh. This is what it says in Malachi that you... All right, uh, four minutes. Uh, we are going to uh, hold to a strict time standards here. Uh, that was uh, Dr. Joseph Webb, author of the book, Till Death Do Us Part. Uh, we will get to uh, John Malone in just a moment. Uh, here is our plan. We're going to proceed for a little while here without uh, having direct audience interaction. When we uh, open up time for questions, you can uh, proceed in two matters. Either call uh, 344-0660 or 888-660-5660. Uh, give the uh, operator the question, or uh, we will patch you in. And once again, if you're just joining us, we do plan to go for two hours. So uh, hopefully uh, do a fairly good job at discussing the question. Good afternoon. Welcome to Marty Stacy Live special two-hour version going into uh, the five to six-hour BibleStudy.net. We are uh, having a debate today between uh, Dr. Joseph Webb, uh, author of the book uh, "Till Death Do Us Part," and uh, John Malone of Millard Community Church uh, on the question of does Jesus Christ permit uh, divorce in the New Testament? Is it uh, sanctioned at all? And uh, with the opening comments right now, here's uh, John Malone. John, you have four minutes. Well, I don't know if I'm going to ruin your debate, Marty, but I'm not here to talk about whether Jesus Christ uh, sanctions divorce or not. I'm here to to take up the question of whether whether God recognizes, allows, sanction, and honors remarriage. And I think there's a big difference between those two things, so I'm not here, as I told you last week, I'm not here to, as a pro-divorce speaker I'm here as a pro-Bible speaker, and I do believe that there are cases where God recognizes, allows, sanctions, and honors remarriage. I find it interesting that, uh, that Mr. Webb uh, uh, quoted Genesis 23 and 24 for us, but forgot uh, Genesis 2, 23, and 24, but didn't quote Genesis 2, 25. And I'm going to read it here. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Of course, this is before they sinned, and when they sinned, they became ashamed. And it reminds me of the story that a Bible preacher uh, taught me when he said that he was in, uh, when he was uh, learning a, in, a, in a Bible class, somebody said, well, what would have happened if Eve sinned and Adam didn't sin? And the teacher said, well, he did sin, and that's what we have to deal with. And uh, I think when we talk about uh, something as important to everyone, as a marriage, we need to realize that we did sin, and we do have the problems that emanate therefrom. Uh, so uh, my position will be the position broadly taken in this, and I have to answer a wide range of citations here, which puts me really in a hurry. Uh, but my position is stated uh, best in 1 Corinthians chapter 7. That's where it's stated, where certain questions concerning marriage and remarriage arose in the Corinthian church, and the apostle answered it. And I think this is a poorly understood uh, 
portion of the scripture. And then I'll let me talk a bit because it seems that we both agree that the word of God is complete, that is plenary, and verbally inspired. I wasn't sure uh, about that because I'd heard that the, I didn't hear all the broadcasts before, but I'd heard that Dr. Webb said something about a a special revelation that he had 20 years ago, but uh, so I didn't quite know what to expect. But if if the if the whole scripture has been written to us, then we need to take the whole scripture into account, and we can't be finding covenants where they don't exist. Now, to that to that measure, I'll tell you that I do not believe for one second that marriage is a covenant, nor is it ever called a covenant. When uh, covenants, uh, certainly the covenant that God has with Israel, both of them, the old covenant and the new covenant. He describes in terms of marriage, but we have to realize that where that 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 is a literary device that he's using, and uh, uh, there's also um, uh, because God doesn't really marry, and we also need to realize that marriage is is not an eternal institution; it is an institution for those of us that are living. And 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 finally, I'm going to say not only is it not a covenant, but it's bondage according to the Scripture; it's a bond. And a bond is very different than a covenant. Uh, I'm not a fellow that finds covenants all over the all over the scriptures, but uh, I can tell you this: that uh, between uh, Hosea and Gomer doesn't apply to me. Between God and Israel doesn't apply to me. And uh, the analogy that was just made about a bill of divorcement and the woman that departs remaining unmarried, completely different thing. A woman was never allowed to give a bill of endorsement. So uh, we have all kinds of scriptures here that have been mi- that have been mishandled and maligned, and I hope we can get them straightened out in the course of two hours. All right, you're listening to uh, live debate here on Marty Stacy Live. We're going to uh, ask uh, Dr. Joseph A. Webb for uh, a three and uh, a half minute. Uh, uh, statement next, and then we'll go to break and uh, come back to our our other speaker for the day, uh, Mr. Webb. Go ahead. Thank you, Marty. Appreciate it very much. I uh, I I think, as far as I remember, um, Malachi the second chapter and verse fourteen is part of the scripture, and it says, "Yet we say, ye say, wherefore, because the Lord hath been witness between thee and the wife of thy youth, against whom thou hast dealt treacherously, yet she is thy companion and." the wife of thy covenant. And did not he make one, yet had he the residue of the Spirit? That uh, one uh, commentator said what God was actually saying there, if he had wanted a man to have more than one wife, he had enough Spirit left over, he could have made Eve and Sally and and, uh, Brenda and whoever else he wanted to, but he wants two people to come together, and because he hates divorce, absolutely hates divorce, and... uh, so he says to take heed to your spirit that you deal not treacherously. He, he called it a covenant. And so when when we come into uh, God speaking to Israel and causing, calling, calling Israel his wife, he says they're in a covenant, and that covenant is going to last forever. And then uh, Brother Malone mentioned that a woman was not allowed to divorce. Well, Jesus didn't know that, evidently, because in Luke, uh, excuse me, in Mark, uh, he said that... Uh, Verses 11 and 12, And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away or divorce his wife, and marry another committeth adultery against her, and if a woman shall divorce her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. There were instances in the New Testament time where women were allowed to divorce a man. And Jesus put it both ways. He said if either one of them divorce the other and remarry, 
they commit adultery. And let me just interject here. The, the first 1,500 years of the early church, and I have all the quotes in writing of the early church fathers, uh, Ignatius, who was a secretary, as it were, of John the Beloved on the Isle of Patmos, uh, every one of them until the 1,500 said marriage is for life to divorce and remarry for any reason constitutes adultery, period. Now, of course, they may not have the enlightenment and the knowledge that we have today, but I believe they had a greater understanding of what Jesus and the disciples were saying than we do. It wasn't until the 15th century that this 1 Corinthians 7 that he mentions and Matthew 5 and 19 were brought in by a man who was a defrocked Roman Catholic priest, a sodomite, and a, and a pedophile, and he introduced that teaching during the Reformation period, and some of the um, the uh, Protestants picked it up, and it became what was called the, it was originally the Erasmian view, then it became the Protestant, traditional Protestant view, and today it's called the Matthew-Pauline Exception Theory. And when it's brought into proper perspective to whatever the other, the other things the apostles said, you know that it's not saying what they would like to have it say, and neither did the early church believe it said that. All right, you have 30 seconds left. Do you care to use those in any way, sir? I can't hear you, Stacey. Uh, you have uh, 30 seconds more. Okay, I, I just I just simply say that we have to go back to what the early church taught, and the early church never taught the Matthew Pauline exception theory. That man, Desiderius Erasmus, today in the university libraries is called the Prince of Humanists, and those that are teaching what he taught are teaching pure humanism and not what the early church taught or Christ or Paul taught. Okay, there you have it, uh, our... Uh... Uh, guest on the side, I would call it uh, No Divorce, and uh, our, his name is uh, Joseph Webb. He has written a book called Till Death Do His Part. He is a retired pastor from Florida, uh, originally from Fremont, Nebraska, and uh, we will be getting back to our other guest, who happens to be a local pastor of Millard Community Church, John Malone, also heard on BibleStudy.net from uh, 5 to 6 each uh, weekday evenings here on AM 660 KCRO. When we come back, John Malone's response, and then things could get ugly. Well, stay tuned to Marty Stacy Live. Good afternoon. Welcome to Marty Stacy Live. A divorce is... Uh, quite rampant in both the uh, church and secular society. Uh, most of us who uh, are, I would say, over about 25 or 30 uh, are aware that divorce is uh, prevalent to an extent it has not been prevalent in uh, recent history in American culture. Uh, ultimately, those of us who are guided by the scripture and guided by uh, Christ uh, have to wrestle in some way with uh, is divorce permitted? Those of us who are pastors have to decide uh, do we marry or remarry uh, particular individuals? Uh, what do you do with people in your congregations who uh, are uh, divorced and remarried? Or maybe I remember a friend of mine uh, married uh, someone who had been divorced and uh, that uh, created a controversy. Uh, we continue. Uh, we're going to, in just a moment, uh, go to the uh, cross-questioning uh, part of the uh, debate. We're going to go right now to uh, John Malone as he continues to develop the opening statements. John, you have uh, three and a half minutes. Go ahead. Okay. Well, let me first take up that when I say in Israel divorce is not allowed, I'm I'm talking about the period of time covered by the giving of the law before Christ fulfilled the law, and in the law of Israel, divorce uh, not offered to women. 
Uh, but, of course, in Gentile societies, uh, women were able to divorce in Greek society, and uh, we have this big Hellenizing influence of Israel under under the captivity, so I'm sure that there was uh, all manner of behavior that crept in. So let me just say that. Now, it's interesting, and uh, I, you know, I don't like to call you Dr. Webb, uh, uh, Mr. Webb, because uh, I don't like the term doctor. I don't like what it what it implies. And I say that because the Scripture also tells us not to call anybody father. And now you're uh, on earth, and you're talking about church fathers. I almost felt like I was back in Catholic grade school uh, listening to a bunch of a string of popes. Uh, who's Ignatius? Who's all these fellows that you claim universally say whatever? Uh, <clears throat> those people don't universally say anything, except we know this. They were the, they were involved, so-called church fathers, as they're so-called, were involved in every kind of error that, that that is known in the Christian faith. We both agreed we had the plenary, verbal, inspired scripture, so we don't have to care what some alleged homosexual pedophile out of the 15th century thought or, or whatever. Uh, we don't have to... Um, go back and see what all the church fathers taught in whatever century you refer. I don't think that's a proper Bible hermeneutic. And uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a little surprised that, as, as we agreed in terms, that the Bible was the complete and literal Word of God. I, that means the only Word of God, that all of a sudden we're going to go refer off to uh, church fathers. I'm not surprised, however, because to find this the pernicious conclusions that you have alleged and the pernicious behavior that you advise people to do, I'm not surprised uh, that that's where the appeal goes. Now, my appeal is to the 1 Corinthians chapter 7, where we have words and teaching uh, spoken about uh, remarriage and when it is appropriate, when it's not sin, when a brother or a sister is free. And I want to say once again, that I am not in favor of divorce. I, I do not believe in divorce. I don't think Christians should divorce. But I don't think I should have to say that. That's like having to say I'm against abortion or I'm against murder. I don't think I have to say I'm against evil when I say I believe in the Scriptures. I'm for whatever the Scriptures are for. I'm against whatever the Scriptures are against. But I want to say this. God recognizes, allows sanctions, and honors remarriage in many, even every condition where they're found. And uh, it is not the case that men and women are married, uh, even unlawfully, and that somehow God does not recognize such marriages. All right, uh, we're out of time here. Let's uh, do a quick uh, one-minute uh, rejoinder from uh, Dr. Uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, Dr. Webb, you have one minute. Go ahead. Well, um, Marty, the interesting thing to me is that I was taught in college and in seminary that when you refer back, the only reason we know that we have the inspired scriptures today is because those, quote, you can call them church fathers, you can call them those, the church fathers of which I speak, every one of them, gave their lives as martyrs for Jesus Christ. They were sold out to Jesus Christ. And there came a time when these men had to get together and find out what was going to be the canon of Scripture. These same men were the ones that heard that knew that the Apostle Paul said, the things that I teach 
teach faithful men who will teach faithful men who will teach faithful men. So we have to go back and find faithful men in the past that were there closer to when it happened than we were, who understood these social circumstances better than we do, because if we don't, we're going to get into our newer translations, which I call the reversed visions today, instead of revised versions, where they're saying, except to be for marital unfaithfulness, except to be for sexual impurity. All right, John, uh, you're one minute. Well, let me say that uh, uh, what I'm hearing is what I used to hear out of the Roman Catholics, that the Bible came out of the church and not the church out of the Bible. I have the inspired, plenary Word of God. It was not due to the devices of men. It was not due to the faithfulness of men. God is the one who is faithful to have preserved His Scripture from age to age. One thing the Bible teaches us is God is faithful. Men are not faithful. I'm glad I didn't go to seminary to learn all this kind of, of nonsense. I'm glad that I went to the school of the Scriptures. And uh, I don't want to go back into the Catholic Church. God saved me out of being a Roman Catholic, and I'm happy to have my Bible. All right. We will uh, break here and uh, come back. We're debating the question, does uh, Jesus Christ uh, allow uh, divorce in the New Testament? Uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, our guest on the phone, John Malone, live in the studio. More in just a moment on Marty Stacy. Okay, we're back. Uh, Marty Stacy live. Uh, debate going on today between Joseph Webb and John Malone on the issue of divorce in the New Testament. Uh, we're going to allot now three and a half minutes to each participant to uh, question the other or make further statements. Uh, Mr. Webb, you can uh, go right ahead. Well, the first question, of course, the first statement I'd like to make to uh, Brother John is that. Uh, uh, the, the men I'm referring to was not were not even in the Roman Church. I'm talking about the people of the first three centuries, and it wasn't until 300 that the Roman Church was even established. So I'm talking about those who were those that followed right after the disciples. They had an understanding of the word also, and they understood the Greek language, the Latin, the, the Hebrew, all those things. They understood that. But now we come up to, we'll jump up real quickly to the Erasmian view. Uh, who introduced Erasmus, who introduced this teaching that you are now teaching, which is pure humanism, out of 1 Corinthians, the seventh chapter. Are you saying then in, first seven, in chapter 7 where he says, but if the unbelieving depart, let him depart, a brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, that means they can divorce and remarry? Okay, now am I saying if, if a brother or sister is, in, is not in, am I saying uh, is a brother or sister not in bondage in such cases? No, that's the scripture that says that. Okay, now, now, I, now, when I, when now wait I a minute, when you made, interpret that not in bondage, you interpret that for me. Okay, what does that let, mean? That, that the marriage bond is gone. Now, let me answer your charge, though, because this thing about me being pro-divorce, I, you know, Marty's pushed that out. I tried to stop him. Uh, I am not in favor of divorce, but I do believe that the bondage spoken of there is the marriage bond. Well, you see, what you're talking about then are situation ethics. You're involved in situation no, ethics rather than clearly what the Scripture teaches, Brother John, because if Paul were saying there that if they didn't get along because they're believer and unbeliever, and that's the only thing that he said there, that they can separate and now remarried, marry, then, then Paul the Apostle was schizophrenic. Because right above that he said, no, you can live separately or be reconciled. In the verse 39 in the same chapter, he said, they that know the law know that a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth, but if her husband be dead, then is she free to marry only in the Lord. And in Romans, the... Uh, the seventh chapter, verses one through three, they know the law, know that a woman is bound to her husband so long as he liveth, but if her husband be dead, 
then she's free to remarry. But if while her husband liveth, she be married to another man, regardless of the circumstances, be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. Now, if Paul is, an, is a schizophrenic, then we can't believe anything he says. But one thing we, we can't tell you, I won't tell you what that means there, but I'll tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't mean they can divorce and remarry, according to that, even though Erasmus introduced that into the church. And Paul and Martin Luther said, don't have anything to do with that man. He was an enemy of God and his word. He died without light, without the truth. And he stirred up the basest passions of little boys and treated Jesus Christ like a core clown. This was never even taught in the church. And all we had the whole New Testament and the Old Testament for the 1,500 years. It was never taught until this man came in and taught that. And he did it because he was a friend of King Henry VIII who wanted to divorce his wife of 28 years. So what you're, what you're actually saying is Paul the Apostle is schizophrenic if you're saying that he means there that you can get divorced or married. That word bondage there simply means you don't have to be treated like a vassal slave anymore and fulfill all the duties of a husband or a wife. If they won't live with you, you can move out and live separately like you're unmarried, like it says there in verse 11, or... Wait for reconciliation and get back together again. Well, why did you say that? Because they're in a covenant, and that covenant is until death. Paul said it over and over again. Born until the death. If the husband be dead, then she can marry again. But if while her husband liveth and she gets divorced and remarried, she will be called an adulteress. No, he didn't say she will be. She, he says call her an adulteress. All right, uh, Joseph Webb uh, has concluded his three and a half minutes. By the way, this uh, program uh, will be re-aired tonight from 11 Till one o'clock. All right, uh, for three and a half minutes, uh, we go back to uh, John Malone, who can use the time either to articulate his position or uh, question uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, John? Well, this is the first time I've been classed with a pedophile and so forth. Uh, so, uh, well, uh, and, and now I'm accusing the Apostle Paul of being sch- uh, schizophrenic. I, you know, really, I should maybe I should just walk off the air. But no, I won't. Um, Let's uh, look here at what bondage means, and now we'll look at the Scripture, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. In, in opening the conversation about marriage, uh, the Apostle Paul lays out that marriage, he never says it's a covenant, but he does say it's, a, it's bondage. In fact, uh, the way he says it, and this is something that, that people ought to be cautious about before they get married. I know young girls fall in love, and young men even get a little crazy about marriage, and they don't realize what a problem it is, uh, trouble in the flesh and, all, and, and other problems that go along with the, with the really great things about marriage. But it says in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 7, uh, The wife has not power of her own body but the husband. And likewise also the husband has not power of his own body but the wife. So here we see that when you're married, your wife is in charge of your body. If she wants you to, if she has a need, you are to render to her due benevolence. And that this is this is comely speech uh, by the King James translators as well. Of course, it's the Word of God. It's comely speech to talk about the obligations of sexual gratification in marriage. And now it says the wife doesn't have power of her own body, and the husband has not power of his own body, but her body is for him, his body is for her. That is bondage. I mean, when somebody else rules your body, that is bondage. And so when later in the same passage, uh, when, when, the, when Paul gets done talking to the believers who are married, and he says to these, these believers who are married, he says, don't let the wife depart from her husband. But if she does, disobey that command. Remain unmarried. First of all, I'll point out to you that she's unmarried. He says remain unmarried, stay unmarried. So she's unmarried 
or be reconciled to her husband, and let not the wife husband do putting away. Then he says, but to the rest speak I, not the Lord. And that is not that the Lord doesn't say this. It's that the Lord never talked about this. If The Lord never talked about the case where a brother had an unbelieving wife or the sister had an unbelieving husband. He never talked about that because the word of God now is out to the Gentiles where that happens all the time. And in that case, uh, he says to the believer, don't you leave, don't you be the one that leaves, but if the other one leaves you, if you're abandoned, you're you're not in bondage in such cases. And then later, he'll even point out that the one who's loose from a wife, he recommends he not marry, but if he does, he has not sinned. That's right in the scripture, 1 Corinthians 7. All right, uh, John, you have 30 seconds left if you oh, want to use it. Well, no, I just had miscalculated my time. So I'll, let me look down here and uh, uh, point out where the apostle says, uh, now he's saying concerning virgins, which clearly mean the unmarried here because he includes, are you bound unto a wife? Don't seek to be loosed. And, of course, that's, that's the apostle's uh, recommendation. Don't be looking to get out of your marriage. Are you loosed from a wife? Seek not a wife, but and if thou marry, thou hast not sinned. So the one who's loosed from a wife, he doesn't sin when he marries. All right, more of the debate. How about you New Testament Christians? Uh, Does Christ allow divorce and remarriage? More on the debate in a moment. Welcome back to uh, Marty Stacey. We are uh, talking today about uh, divorce in the New Testament. Uh, Joseph Webb is with us. He's the author of the book, uh, Till Death Do Us Part. Uh, John Malone with us from uh, BibleStudy.net. We'll continue uh, doing the uh, interaction here. And by the way, if you want to call with a question that we can pose to both gentlemen, uh, I'll have uh, Nick uh, take those questions uh, uh, starting right now. 344-0660-888-660-5660. Now with three and a half minutes for either a comment or questioning, here's uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, Joseph, uh, please start now. Well, first of all, let me just assure John that I'm not accusing him of being a follower of a pedophile. In fact, I went all the way through college and seminary never knew that this teaching came from Erasmus. I didn't know that it was later called the traditional Protestant view and today called the Matthew Pauline exception theory. But when I did find out, I realized that Jesus said you can't get sweet water out of a bitter spring. And uh, when I found out the source of that teaching, it made me dig all the deeper to find out why the early church taught what it taught. And just because I believe in the early church does not mean I believe in Romanism, and neither does it mean anyone else does. But we had those men earlier that put our scripture together, what we call the canon of scripture. But the men before the Roman church even, these men knew the apostles, and they had received it firsthand, and they're the ones who said, marriage is for life. And they said, the Bible teaches, the scripture teaches, that if you get divorced for any cause whatsoever and remarry, it's adultery. That's what Jesus said in Luke 16, 18. Whosoever, the same word found in John 3, 16, whosoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. That doesn't need interpretation. And whoever divorces her that was put away in that same divorce causes her to commit adultery. Now, the only way that can be adultery is that the covenant can be violated, but it cannot be broken. The husband and the wife have committed themselves till death. And the Bible says it's better never to make a vow to God than to make it and to break it. The seriousness of a vow can be explained with uh, Jacob and Esau. 
Esau, a flippant teenager, said to his brother Jacob, yeah, you can have my birthright for a little bit of that food. Well, swear to me. Okay, I swear you can have it. Give it here. So he ate it, and later on it said he wept tears of repentance, but it didn't change the covenant. God forgave him for his stupidity and his flippancy, but the covenant still stood. Jacob still got that birthright. And that's where we don't, that's where we're, we're way off base today in many of our churches. We don't realize the difference between a covenant and just an agreement. And marriage is a divine covenant that God himself established in the Garden of Eden. Now, as far as that portion he gave about your body belongs to her and hers belongs to him, that's giving title of your body to each other, and that's another reason why you can't get remarried. You no longer have title to your body, and if you come to another woman after you've, quote, gotten your divorce, God says that is a forbidden vow. I will not hear that vow because you have no body to give to that other person. You've already given it until your death to the first one. You have uh, 45 seconds left if you'd like to uh, use another 45 seconds. Uh, I just want to uh, emphasize the fact that not only does the teaching that Brother Malone has been following go with First Corinthians, the 7th chapter, but then they jump over in what I call the five-word school, except it be for fornication, except it be for adultery, they call it. But the word is pornea. It's very different from adultery, and I can prove that by Galatians 5, where it says, Be not deceived, neither, and First uh, Corinthians 6, 9, and 10, Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor feminine. So it can be specific, it can be narrow, and that's the use here in, in 5 and 19, except it be for fornication, which is proven by Matthew, the first chapter, where it talks about Mary and Joseph being husband and wife, yet they were only betrothed. He thought she had committed fornication. He was going to divorce her quietly. All right, time is up uh, for Joseph Webb. Uh, John Malone, three and a half minutes. Well, I, you know, as again, once again, I mean, it's just a shotgun approach. You know, when, when so many things are wrong, it's, it's hard to correct them all. I'll just remind the listeners who've been uh, listening to the life of uh, Jacob and Esau that... Uh, the Bible teaches in, in Romans chapter 9 that the election of Jacob, that, that, that the election of Israel stood on God's election before either one of them ever did anything. And uh, we do find out about uh, Esau's character that he despised his birthright. And uh, when he went crying, he wasn't after his birthright. If you remember, he wasn't after crying. He was uh, When he cried, he was after the blessing. Uh, <clears throat> he realized that he'd already lost his birthright. But uh, this kind of carelessness about the Scripture, I, the reason I point this out, is this carelessness concerning the Scripture is marking all kinds of things that come to these bizarre conclusions uh, in, in action uh, that, uh, that Mr. Webb is, is coming to. Um, now, as far as what the Scripture teaches, uh, it's, it's true that the, the Scripture teaches that uh, there is a marriage bond and that the body uh, of the husband uh, is the wife's. Uh, in, in term, and of course that has to do with sexual relations and vice versa. But when, when the scripture teaches, when the apostle Paul writes, a brother or sister is not in bondage in such circumstance, in such cases, and that's 1 Corinthians 7 verse 15, but God has called us to peace, that follows up the admonitions of scripture in 1 Corinthians 7, and there are several admonitions in this, uh, Passage which people don't, uh, which which many Christians take very lightly. An admonition to let, for example, is taken very lightly. Uh, for example, it says, uh, it, it, "If the unbelieving depart, let them depart." Now, 
of course, uh, there are those who won't let the unbelieving depart, but who chase them around. Uh, I remember Bill Gothard had a, uh, uh, Hosea theory, uh, where God told Hosea to marry a wife of adultery. He didn't tell you to do that. And, um, they say, go pray, hedges of thorns around them, go chase them around. Uh, whereas God says, if the unbelieving depart, let them. And, uh, if you will let them and just go on, uh, where it says in, in 1 Corinthians 7:15, if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. Uh, you do very well, and this is the advice to Christians. The other advice to Christians at the top of this uh, chapter is that it tells us, it's good, whereof concerning the things you wrote to me, it's good for a man not to touch a woman. That word also can mean kindle. It, uh, the, <clears throat> the, the word in its uh, uh, primary form means to light up or kindle. And then later it says, if they cannot contain, in verse 9, let them marry, it is better to marry than burn. Marriage is the solution to the problem of fornication. And this was a huge problem, sex outside marriage, and still is a huge problem in the, in the, in the world of Gentiles. And so it tells us this, let every man have his own husband and let every wife have her, or let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband. And that's really the overreaching We'll uh, continue the debate after a news break here, and it will be rebroadcast the entire two hours from 11 to 1 tonight. Stay tuned. With insights and commentary from the Bible, here's BibleStudy.net with John Malone, sponsored by Millard Community Church. These are my minutes now. (laughs) Well, they may be your minutes, but it's my control board. Yeah, well, we could fight for it. I I got about looks like I've got about seventy pounds. On it. <laughs> okay, uh, we're we're doing a, a special uh, thing today here, a two-hour debate between Joseph Webb and uh, John Malone about uh, divorce amongst Christians in the New Testament, divorce among non-Christians according to the New Testament. We are taking phone calls. We are taking questions. A quick reminder that uh, we will uh, re-air this here on AM 660 between uh, 11 o'clock at night and 1 in the morning tonight. Now, uh, I'm going to go to uh, a caller here. I think what we will do is take uh, two minutes uh, for each uh, party to respond to the uh, question, and we'll ask the uh, listener to stay online. Uh, Eugene, welcome uh, to the show. Go ahead with your question. I have a question to the pastors, uh, two different scenarios and uh, extreme situation. The first one, by the way, they're real, uh, real people, okay? Don't mention names, but anyway, uh, the first scenario, the husband is uh, an unbeliever. He's beating his wife uh, physically and mentally abusing her, and uh, to the point uh, that uh, her life is even in, in danger, and uh, they separated uh, you know, he's a drunk, and uh, they separate, they try to reconcile, but he doesn't change. What do you do in that condition? And uh, the question is, in the in the covenant, is uh, uh, to love each other and respect each other. And if you break that part of the covenant, are you not allowed to divorce as a result? Because there is a breach in the covenant. Uh, All right, uh, Eugene, uh, stand by uh, two minutes. Uh, John Malone, let's go to you first this time. Well, I don't. I, of course, I don't have the facts, and so uh, the the scenario that Eugene gave uh, leaves me uh, at a bit of a loss uh, as to whether or not the unbelieving party actually left his wife here, or if uh, 
you know, or if she inaugurated an action contrary to the scripture where she's uh, to stay with him. Now, I'd never recommend to a woman or a man for that matter that, I mean, if it ever happens, it does overseas happen, by the way, that men are beaten uh, badly by women. And I know one tribe where that's the case. Uh, but, uh, I mean, I, I do not believe that somebody should stay in an endangered situation, but I, I'm a little, uh, you know, until I, until you actually know people, uh, it, it, well, that's where the truth comes out is in the conversation. But if, if the unbelieving husband has left her, which it doesn't sound like he has, then, then I think she should just let him go. Uh, on the other hand here, I, you know, I can't really give good advice because it doesn't sound to me like that he did. Okay, uh, Joseph Webb, your response to the question. Well, abuse, of course, the first thing, and this sounds harsh, but it isn't. The first thing I have to tell people, uh, you know, when we, um, you can't sit on buzzards, eggs, and raise chicks, somebody told me a long time ago. And when you marry someone, I didn't marry them, you did. And the problem is today we're not warning our young people of the seriousness of this step. But let me just say quickly that I have advised many women to leave men who were brutalizing them and beating them. The only difference is I would tell them don't go to church because they'll send you down to the singles group and tell you to pick out a new one. Recognize that this husband is violating his covenant to love, honor, and cherish you and hold you in highest esteem. And the Bible says in Hebrews, God will judge that person. That does not break the covenant. It violates the covenant. But you should... Go back to 1 Corinthians 7, 10, and 11. Live separately and pray for reconciliation. Pray that God will speak to their heart. Pray that God will bring reconciliation between you and come back together again. And I've seen it happen when they've done that. But because the church has sent them down to the singles group to pick out a new one, they are, they're saying that it's better to be um, to marry than to burn, that we should go from fornication over to serial adultery and have uh, one partner after another partner after another partner uh, because the, the covenant is broken, and I don't know how it gets broken, but it gets broken, and we go back and get in another covenant to where the covenant means nothing, and the end result is our churches today, evangelical fundamental churches today, the divorce rate is 7% higher than the unchurched world because of this this willy-nilly type of, of position that people are taking today. Oh, yes, the covenant is not a covenant, it's just an agreement. It is a covenant before God, and Malachi says it very, very clearly, and Jesus said it is too. If anyone marries and divorces and remarries, it is adultery. And the adulterer, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 6, 9, will not inherit God's kingdom. Those that live that lifestyle without repenting of it before they die will not inherit God's kingdom. Okay, let's uh, go back to the uh, caller. Uh, Eugene, go ahead. Yes. Uh, I'm pleased with the answer. I agree with both of you guys. Uh, another situation is uh, really weird, but it's a true situation. 30 seconds, go. A couple of Christians are married for 20 years. They have a child, a teenage. They have a home, but uh, they don't have a happy marriage. They, uh, they are both Christians. They go to church, but they have no respect or love for each other whatsoever. As a matter of fact, they uh, don't have even marital relations. They sleep in separate rooms for 10 years already. Uh, and that led to the, to, to the men to cause, uh, to seek other women, which is obviously adultery. Uh, what do you suggest to a couple like that who cannot reconcile, no matter how, how hard they try? All right, uh, John, go ahead. Two minutes. 
Well, I don't, I don't, now we're talking about two believers here, so, I mean, you don't have a situation ever where they can't, uh, where they can't get along. They may not like each other, they may not love each other, they may not be having relations, but, um, but they can. Uh, marriage is about love, and love is not uh, some kind of a feeling that people have, and uh, look, I mean, marriage is also about trouble. Uh, the, the apostle advises, uh, those uh, unmarried uh, in, 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 to not marry unless they have to, and he, it doesn't. It's not pro- a problem that he advises that way because most of us need to be married. It's not many of us that are gifted like the apostle, and even that was qu- consistent with what the Lord said because he pointed out that it's troublesome, and the apostle said, "Well, then uh, it's better not to even marry." And the Lord says, "Well, not everybody can hear that." But here you've got two Christians. Uh, God doesn't want two Christians divorced. He doesn't want anybody divorced. But uh, uh, he he would tell both of these parties not to initiate a divorce. And uh, if neither of these parties initiate a divorce, there isn't going to be one that happens. You have 45 seconds left. You want to use that anyway? Oh, yeah. Let me use it to now talk about uh, the, the principles that, uh, that the apostle really gives us for the conditions that he plainly said. He says, this I speak not the, to the rest. I speak not the Lord. He doesn't mean that this is not God's word. He means that God did not speak about certain circumstances. And uh, both the cases that and one of the cases that Eugene gave, uh, whereas our conclusions might have been the same, so you could agree with both of us, uh, Mr. Webb cited uh, uh, verses 10 and 11 in the case of an unbeliever, but verses 12 and 13 specifically give those cases and say, if they're pleased to dwell with you, stick with them. All right, uh, we go to uh, Joseph Webb. Uh, go ahead, sir. The first thing I would like to say is there are a lot of people. I mean, we have Christian pencils and Christian balloons and Christian yo-yos now in our churches, and everybody who says they believe in Christ are not necessarily Christians. Jesus said, if any man come to me and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sister in his own life also, he can't be my disciple. And if he's not willing to take up his cross every day and follow me, he's not my disciple. And whosoever he be of you that is not willing to forsake everything he has cannot be my disciple. So I would simply say to this young couple, first of all, what makes you believe that you're a Christian? The Word of God says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and they won't be grievous to you. The second thing I'd have to say to them, can you love this person that you married and promised to marry, a promise to love and cherish? Can you love them as your neighbor then? If they say no, then say you have to love them as your enemy then, because the Bible says love even your enemies, and love is not a feeling, it is a decision. You choose, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. We didn't deserve it, and God gave us that love. And you and I do not deserve love at all. But God gave it to us, and when you marry someone, people say, well, he wasn't what I thought he was, or she wasn't what I thought she was. That's too bad. You're in the covenant now. You are to love them, even if God's for Christ's sake does, and, and lift them up and encourage them and build them up. And you know what happens? Resentments keep building up, and we have to go back and repent and ask for them for forgiveness and ask God for forgiveness so we can be made whole. Thirty seconds more. Do you want to continue? Well, I just simply want to say they can they can hate each other all they want to, but God says they are in a covenant, and the answer is not to get a divorce and go down to the singles group and pick you out a new one because the divorce rate today is fifty percent, second marriages is sixty percent, third marriages seventy five percent. God's way is best always. 
All right, uh, Eugene, uh, I'm going to go back to you uh, one final time here. Any uh, comments or further questions? Uh, no, I mean, I basically agree, although it's a very difficult situation because it led to, to adultery on, I guess, both sides because of the disrespect and uh, no love in the in the relationship. It's just a convenience marriage, so to speak. All right, Eugene, thanks for your thanks. call. Uh, we are taking phone calls and questions. You don't need to go on the air if you don't want. 3440-660-888-660-5660. Let us go to uh, Bruce. Bruce, welcome. Hi, Marty. Thank you. I'd like to present a question to both of them in an innocent scenario party or a party who's innocent. Let's say there's a man, and he becomes a born-again Christian, and he has never been married. After he becomes a born-again Christian, he's burning, and he decides that he needs to be married because the Bible says it's better to marry than to burn, and he marries a Christian woman. After they're married, the woman decides that she does not want to be in submission to a man, so she files for divorce and leaves. So here's this innocent man who's burning. Can he marry again scripturally? All right, interesting question. Let's go to uh, John first uh, with that. John, go ahead. Okay, well, is she, mar is she married now? Did she remarry? She did, but what she if did? she didn't? What she, if she didn't, though? For well, her? okay, what if she didn't? Well, if she didn't remarry... Uh, and they're both Christians, isn't that right? Right. Well, then, then they can be they then they can be reconciled. She filed for a divorce. I'm guessing uh, that he that that she remarried. Okay. Let's let me take the second the second scenario. I mean, I don't know why somebody files for divorce if they don't want to marry, but uh, unless it's just about property. But okay. So now, if she marries, uh, she's married to another man. Uh, he can't. Uh, it wouldn't be right for him to wait for her one afternoon and say, hey, baby, you're looking nice today, and, uh, you know, go into her house and have relations with her. That would be wrong. So if that's wrong, then they're not married. Otherwise, that's a right thing, and I suppose Mr. Webb thinks that would be fine. Uh, okay, John, you've got one more You know, minute. I just find her, you know. Oh, i got a minute. Yeah, let, let, me talk about, uh, let me talk about a few of the doctrinal problems that Webb's got here, and, I, you know, I'm sorry you're from Nebraska. Uh, uh, I thought you were from Florida. Uh and I'm real sorry to hear that you're going to be teaching this in churches here in Nebraska because this is pernicious stuff, especially the stuff like, well, if you don't take up your cross daily, then what? Well, I mean, there's all kinds of, uh, I don't know anybody, or if you don't forsake all that you have, I bet, I'll bet, Mr. Webb, I'll bet you've got some stuff you haven't forsaken, and uh, I'll bet there's days that you haven't gone the way of the cross, and so what are you saying here? I mean, uh, it's not as if, for example, adultery doesn't happen when you lust in your heart. That's also adultery. And what sins exactly are you saved from and which ones aren't you saved from? Okay, uh, just so the uh, callers know this, uh, when I have uh, Mr. Webb on the phone, I uh, means that the caller will not be on the phone at the same time. So, Bruce, you're still on hold. You're still in the conversation. We're going to go to uh, Joseph Webb. For uh, two minutes, uh, starting right now, Mr. Webb, uh, please begin. I'm sorry that uh, Brother Bruce thinks that what I'm teaching is pernicious, but what I'm teaching is consistent with the Apostle Paul without making him into a schizophrenic. And when someone says, well, if they got divorced and remarried, well, then that allows them, they're married now, so now you can go ahead and get remarried. That flies directly in the face of what Jesus said very clearly. If I put names to that verse in Luke 16:18, if Jack divorces Jill and marries Sue, Jesus said that is not a marriage, that's adultery. 
I didn't say it. Jesus said it. And then he said, and if whoever comes along and marries Jill, if Sam marries Jill, who has been put away in that divorce by Jack, he causes her to commit adultery. Now, you can dress it up in any kind of dress you want to, but adultery is adultery is adultery. And when, for the question that this brother had, he says, what if this woman leaves and he's still burning? God's grace is sufficient. I was married for 29 years, and the Lord called my sweetheart out of my life. And I was very happily married. I was used to the married life. And for eight and a half years, I walked as a widower. And I did not remarry. It was, it was a time of struggle for a long time until I committed that thing to the Lord. And he said he'll never put more on us than we can bear. And God's grace is sufficient in a situation like that. He, he, God never called us to be happy. God called us to be holy. And I will assure my brother that I do not profess sinlessness at all. But I profess that I try to keep short books with God. When anything comes into my life, like any other sin, I carry it to the cross and I repent of it. That doesn't mean I'm saying I'm sorry. It means I quit it. That's the biblical... By the way, let me just make a statement. Jesus Christ did not die for sin. Jesus Christ died for repentant sinners. All right, uh, I'm going to go back to our Bruce uh, real quickly, and then I think we'll go to a, a time of interaction between our two debaters, and we do have uh, a couple of callers online as well. Bruce, uh, close it out here if you would. Okay, I understood what Joseph Webb said. He said that he felt that, he, that that brother could not remarry. I'm not sure what stand John took. Did John say that the brother could remarry? Okay, uh, for those of you just joining us, uh, we will be rebroadcasting this show from 9 to 11. Uh, we need to set up the scenario again. Two believers get married. Uh, the woman uh, jumps ship. Uh, John, go ahead. You've got two minutes here. I actually said that the brother could remarry if she married again uh, because he can't. Uh, here's, what, here's what I do not believe. I do not believe it is possible that, that someone is your wife, but you're not her husband. And uh, Mr. Webb ducked the question that in the case where uh, we have uh, Jim and Nancy, and Nancy leaves Jim, and then Nancy goes and marries Bill, can Jim go over and visit Nancy and have sexual relations with her uh, when Bill's away at work? I mean, that's really the kind of scenarios that come up here. If if he believes that God does not re recognize a remarriage, for example, or a second marriage, then, you know, Jim can go and look, hunt down Nancy no matter who her current husband is, and should, in fact. Okay, let's go to uh, Mr. Webb. Mr. Webb, go ahead. Oh, let's see here. Hold on. Hold the phone. All right, I made a mistake there. It's a techno technical mistake. Don't divorce me. Uh, Mr. Webb, go ahead. What, what is incredible to me is the defense that people put up for the second marriage and poo-poo the first marriage. He is saying, well, now Nan Jim can come back to Nancy. It is his wife. But it's better for Nancy to stay in bed with another man who isn't her husband. Because, you see, God doesn't recognize the first marriage now anymore. God had to violate his own righteousness, holiness, and justice when he says, I cause you to be one flesh for life. Now, God, you're going to have to repent and get off of that little wagon right quick because Jim and Nancy have decided to separate and now he's going to, Nancy's going to marry this other girl and so uh, other man so now that's not uh, Jim is no longer your husband see that marriage took care of it I, I, I just am floored at the theology that is pouring out of our churches today God said 
Jesus said, whoever divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. And he said, what God... BibleStudy.net with John Malone is heard every day live at 5 on KCRO AM 660. But it can also be heard live anywhere on the Internet through the BibleStudy.net website. Archived broadcasts are also available on the website, which means you can listen to broadcast anytime, nearly anywhere, by visiting the site www.biblestudy.net. You can also interact with John Malone. Give your comments and ask questions by clicking the email hyperlink provided there. Visit www.biblestudy.net and listen to the broadcast every night for an hour starting at 5 here on KCRO AM 660. BibleStudy.net with John Malone. Okay, we're back. I'm going to uh, ask for a minute response from uh, both parties here on uh, on a particular question. Then uh, we have uh, a couple of callers online. Uh, let's go to uh, John uh, Malone first. Uh, John, uh, you mentioned the names Jim and Nancy. Uh, Nancy walks away from Jim, uh, remarries uh, another man by the name of Bill. Does uh, Jim have any claim upon uh, Nancy in your view? One minute. Well, any claim ducks the question, Marty. What really we want to know is can Jim now go look up Nancy and have sexual relations? Well, I'm saying does he have any? Well, here's my point. If a man can't have sexual relations with a woman, he's not married to her. If we think it's wrong for those two to have sexual relations... Then they're not married. Then we then we do not believe that they're married. If we think they're married, then we must uh, agree that it's right for them to give one another due benevolence. So in the scenario I gave, I just asked Mr. Webb, "Look, is it okay for Jim now to go look up Nancy and start having relations with her, though she's married to Bill?" And it gets even worse than that because the real world is. Jim was married to Mary, and Nancy was married to Bill, and they're both divorced and married to each other, and now do they just go around and have sex with the women and men that they had first? Okay, let's see. We will go to uh, Joseph Webb for a one-minute answer to the question, sir. Marty, I think the real answer here is something that uh, we seem to be avoiding, and that is God's law always supersedes man's law. So you are, just so I can clarify this, you are saying uh, even though Nancy has remarried another man, Bill, Jim can have sex with her? Well, what I'm saying is that he's saying she's married to him. God says it's adultery. The adultery is is between uh, this Bill and Nancy, not Jim and Nancy. That's the adultery. But but you're saying that, that Jim can go have sex with Nancy? I'm saying that Jim and Bill are, or Jim and Nancy are still one flesh. They are married. That second uh, service or ceremony, God Himself won't even go to. Okay, but it seems inappropriate to me to say that Jim has any sexual claim upon Nancy at all. Say, say that again. I said God said that when He put two people together, it is a covenant. And that's what he said in Malachi. That's why he quit blessing Israel for 400 yes or, years. Yes or no? Yes or no? Guess what? Can't, you're the one that says, you know, keep your vows, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Are yes. you saying, yes or no, are you saying that it's just perfectly fine for Jim to have sexual relations with Nancy? 
I'm saying that yes, it's fine for Jim lecture. and Nancy yes, to have yes. sex, continue to have sex, and for her to repent of her adultery. She's the one that's in adultery. Yes or no? So you are saying that if, uh, in the eyes of the world, uh, Nancy is remarried to Bill, uh, it would be appropriate for Jim to have relations with Nancy because God doesn't recognize the remarriage. In fact, Nancy is the one that's committing the adultery with, with Jim, with uh, Bill, because... Bill, or Jim and Nancy were made one flesh for life. If both of them had come to the altar for the first time to, to become married. God says that covenant is for life. And Paul said it. If she be married to another man while her husband liveth, let her be called an adulteress. Now, let's quit calling them husband and wife. It's adultery. Okay, let me, uh, uh, Joseph, let me ask you to uh, query John on this particular point for about two minutes, and I'll have him uh, query you, and then we'll go back to the callers. Uh, Joseph, go ahead. Okay, uh, John, when, when the new laws that are now coming into effect, which Jesus said is going to happen in the last days, that uh, it's going to be like it was in Sodom and Gomorrah, and laws are going to be passed where sodomy is going to be um, okayed, uh, how soon do you feel that, your church will open the door to that situation. Since, I mean, man's law has said now it's okay. Look, I'm not going to answer a stupid question like that with any kind it's of... It's not stupid answer. because That's you're totally doing the same thing right question. now with this You're law. the one who's promoting sexual immorality here. You're the I one, beg your pardon. You're the one who is advising people who had a former marriage to go ahead and have sexual relations with somebody else's wife. You're calling That's, it a former marriage, you're, you're and Jesus darn, and Paul calls you're darn it a right for life. You're darn right I am. You're, you're darn right I'm saying that, and you're the guy who's recommending the sexual immorality. Not only in deed, by the way, but there's people listening to this. There are people listening to this who have had failed marriages, who, who, who on a second marriage receive Christ as their Savior, sometimes both parties, and you're encouraging these people to go back and lust after their former partners. Now, well, you, ought to, be, you ought to be ashamed of yourself, but you're not ashamed of You ought to repent of it if they're, if they're in sin. That's why you can't answer straight out, yes, those two should go ahead and have sexual relations. You won't I, answer it with a straight yes, because you know that's not right. Oh, I'll answer it immediately. Then, then, then do it, because it took you eight should... minutes. Go ahead. Go this ahead, is my Justin. time. You did it. John, you, now, you, hold you, on now. Any married couple should have sex freely. Any married couple, but not an adulterous relationship. So Jim so should Jim go back. So Jim should go ahead and have relationships with Nancy. Have marriage relationships. So in the case, okay, let's hear. We got Jim and Nancy. We got John and Lucy. They're both. In fact, uh, John used to be married to Nancy, and now Jim is, and Jim and uh, and he's married to Lucy. You're saying that this guy should be able to go back and have sex with his first wife, even though no, she's I'm not married. No, I'm saying that you should. Got it wrong. Not only should he okay, be John. able to, but he should do it. All right, stand by. Uh, Joseph, go ahead. John, I'm saying that you're calling it marriage, and God says it isn't marriage. So you're trying to make a situation, use a situation that isn't even valid. These people are not married after the first couple were married. Any relationship they have with anyone else, that is the adultery, not the first one. Was Jacob married to Rachel? I believe he was, and that's why it says in Acts, in the past, they, they did things because of their ignorance, and God winked at it and let it slide by. But now, to do since with Christ Jacob. has come, he commands all men everywhere to repent. That had to do with Gentile nations before the flood. That had nothing to do with Jacob. I beg your pardon? The passage that you cite has absolutely nothing to do with Jacob. Okay, let, let me uh, jump in here. I, I want to resume control. Oh, 
Hold on. Lawyer, was David married to Bathsheba? Was. Was David yes, married? Yes, he was. Yes, he was. What about Abigail? What about Michael? Absolutely. In fact, in the Old Testament, God allowed many things back. He also allowed slaves, and he allowed multiple wives. So, he allowed, so you're saying uh, that David lived in the times of ignorance that God winked at. That's right. You're, that's ridiculous. <laughs> well, let me say it. Paul the Apostle said it. Let, let me go to let me let me go to a couple of callers here. We have uh, let's see here. I think Dave is online too. Dave, you've been patient. Go ahead. Hey guys, how you doing? Good. Uh, excellent topic needs to be discussed, but you guys need to wait your turn. All right, that's how it works. We're Christians here. Okay. <laughs> go ahead with your question, David. Okay. Well, I. I guess I don't have a question. I'm going to open a really, really big can of worms because in Matthew 25:10. Oh, hold on here. All right, we have lost uh, Joseph Webb. I'm going to ask Nick if we can take uh, an early break, and uh, we'll be back with Dave. You're listening to BibleStudy.net, second hour of debates on uh, divorce in Christian times. Stay tuned. This is John Malone. BibleStudy.net is the radio ministry of Millard Community Church. I believe the Bible teaches that the ministry of the Word of God should come out of the local church. What's the local church? Well, it's a geographically identifiable group of Christian believers publicly identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ and with one another. It's God's people called out and from the world. It is, according to the Bible, the pillar and support of the truth. If you need petroleum for your car, go to a gas station. If you want food, go to the grocery store, go to a restaurant. Do you want the truth? That should be found in a local church. Millard Community Church meets Thursday nights at 8 p.m., Sunday mornings from 10 p.m. We gather one block north of Q Street at 126th, which is also known as Oak Lane. You are welcome to practice your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ together with us. John Malone with BibleStudy.net. Uh, I want to I want to read the passage where it talks about the times of this ignorant God winked, God winked at because we are, we seem to have someone here who will quote the scripture out of context continually. Uh, I'm going to read here out of Acts 17, verse 16. Now, while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was stirred in him when he saw the city wholly given to idolatry. Therefore disputed he in the synagogue with the Jews and with the devout persons and in the market daily with them that met him. Then certain philosophers of the Epicureans and of the Stoics encountered him, and some, some said, What will this babbler say? Others some, He seemeth to be a setter forth of strange gods, because he preached unto them Jesus and the resurrection. So we see he's now talking to the Gentiles of Greece, of Athens. Verse 19, he's done with the synagogue. He's talking to the Gentiles in Athens. And they took him and brought him to the Areopagus, saying, May we know what this new teaching whereof thou speakest is. For thou bringest certain strange things to our ears. We would therefore know what these things mean. Then Paul said, Ye men of Athens, I perceive that you are too superstitious. Actually, the word religious and he said and he said to those people the times of this ignorance that you have concerning who god is that 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 those times were winked at it has nothing to do with david david wasn't ignorant david was uh in the in the old covenant and and david had felt direct, he even had direct fellowship with god david was a prophet 
Okay, we have uh, a technical difficulty here. Uh, we're trying to uh, make connections with uh, Joseph Webb. Well, you know, God is sovereign, Marty. I, I would have to say, and, and if we can get to Mr. Webb back, uh, I, I am very uh, troubled uh, with this idea that uh, a person can get uh, divorced uh, in the eyes of the culture. Uh, I'm not going to debate uh, how God views that uh, at this moment. And then uh, remarried uh and then have some sort of sexual claim on the original spouse i i it's pernicious i i find that uh, troubling uh let's see let's go to uh let's see we, eugene eugene you were on before uh what are you making with the conversation thus far let's see and i've uh let's see here all right Hello? yes you're on go ahead yeah, I would tend to agree with John Malone. I mean, once there, uh, the second marriage and the first one didn't work, that she should not go to the first. But that's just my opinion. I wonder if you could comment on an Old Testament scenario. Here's David. He's giving Michal, the daughter of Shaul, okay, of Saul, right. King Saul. Right. And I don't, uh, couldn't find it exactly, but I found one verse here. It says, uh, um, uh, it's Second uh, Samuel chapter 21. Verse 8, she was married to a guy, and she bore uh, uh, birth to five children. It says, uh, uh, and the five sons of Michal, the daughter of Shaul, whom she bore to Adriel, the son of Barzillai, the Meholatite. So what happened here, Shaul took his uh, daughter Michal away from David, and then David later on uh, requested, uh, give me back my wife Michal. How, do, you, do you remember that? Yes, I do. In fact, Eugene, uh, let me uh, let me take up what we both know, and we both know that David's not just a regular guy, huh? He's the king of Israel, and uh, we find out later with uh, with his uh, when his sons uh, want to take even the wife with whom he had no relations, which was uh, Abishag, uh, that the the significance of him losing a wife gave legitimate claim to that other party as being a king. You remember, uh, for example, that Solomon went to Bathsheba and said, what are you doing giving my brother Abishag? Why don't you give him the whole kingdom? So I think there's an exceptional case here with you t when you see David recovering, uh, as you say, Machal. I just call her Michael, uh, Eugene, and uh, I have a little trouble with uh, some of those words. But I think that you, you can't overlook the significance. I mean, what do you think about that? I mean, uh, you know, there is, a, there is a certain amount of rulership in Israel at stake here. I don't know what the laws are. I mean, obviously, uh, I think God intended a husband to have one wife, and David and the rest of the kings did not abide by those laws. Uh, so there is a well, breach God, there. Yeah, but God intended all kinds of stuff we don't do. I mean, that's the yeah. problem we have, isn't it? Correct. And, 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 and the is, fact is that Michal did not bear any children to David because she despised David when he danced, but she did bear five children to this uh, Barzillai guy, and... And yet David requested to have his wife back. So how do we exactly deal with that? That would be interesting, too. You see, my understanding of that is simply it's about the rulership. I don't think he really wanted her for wife as much as to reclaim his, uh, establish and, and uh, consolidate his rulership. Okay, uh, Eugene, thank you for your patience. We have uh, Joseph Webb uh, back. Uh, Mr. Webb, I do apologize. My, uh, my uh, fingers are faster than my brain. Uh, <laughs> Well, I knew I was bad, but I didn't think I was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> not intentional. Not intentional. Uh, I may have to talk to the manager tomorrow about uh, the phone system, uh, but do apologize. Uh, 
I have had a uh, caller on uh, hold here for a bazillion uh, years. Let me uh, go to John. John, are you still there? Yes, I am, Marty. Go ahead. Um, well, I, first of all, this is a, a very interesting show. I'm tending to agree with John Malone on most of his answers, and I've listened to most of the show, but I missed part of it, so you may have covered this. But um, we're talking a lot about law and judgment, but I haven't heard too much about grace and forgiveness. And my question is, if you are married, if you're a Christian and you get a divorce and remarry, do you lose your salvation or are you still a saved individual? Great uh, question. I'll cut you loose here and uh, say thank you. We'll uh, address that next. Thanks, John. Sure. Okay. Uh, let's, uh, Mr. Webb, uh, what's your uh, comment on that? Good question, and the, the, uh, it's one that's been badly distorted nowadays. Again, we have to go back to what the Scriptures say, and that is when we talk about grace, some people have made grace license, and grace is not license. In fact, Titus tells us in Titus chapter 2, verses 11 through 15, for the grace of God that bringeth salvation. Now, we're talking about the right kind of grace here, the kind that brings salvation, hath appeared to all men, teaching us, this is what the true grace of God teaches us. Denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from, not in, from all iniquity, and purify unto himself a peculiar people zealous of good works. These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority, and let no man despise thee. And again with grace, Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. How can we that are now dead unto sin live any longer therein? And this idea that we can just go on and on and on and on and sin and sin and sin and sin and not ask for, not repent of it, is not a scriptural position. And the question, the other question is, what do we say then when Paul says, don't be deceived? Whenever he says that, it's an area where we're going to have deception. Adulterers, shall not now he's talking about lifestyles not act of adultery but lifestyles adulterers shall not inherit god's kingdom and that does not mean that they just won't have have happiness peace and joy in the holy ghost because when he talks about looking at a woman with lust he says better pluck out your eye than to be cast into the lowest parts of hell i didn't write it paul and jesus said it okay so are you saying that if uh bill gets remarried uh and stays remarried to his second wife he will not go to heaven well, if he if he continues to live in an adulterous relationship with one that is not his wife and does not repent of that, I have to keep changing our vocabulary because you keep calling the second relationship a marriage, and Paul and Jesus says it's not. Uh, okay, uh, just for sake of clarity, a man uh, divorces his wife, a Christian man divorces his uh, wife, a believing woman, uh, goes out and in the eyes of civil authorities remarries, then uh, two years later recognizes uh, I should never have divorced my original wife, uh, but because I have uh, remarried uh, a new woman, uh, I'm going to stay uh, faithful to her. You're saying that that man is living in sin. Is that correct? It's a false um, assumption that he's doing right by staying with someone that's not his wife. That's why God said in Jeremiah 3, uh, you're my wife, Israel, and you have you have constantly committed adulteries against me, but if you'll only repent, I will take you back 
Even though you're an adulteress, I'll take you back because you are still my wife. Okay, Art, we, I should have asked this in the beginning. Do, do you believe that a man can lose his salvation uh, from that? Marty, that's an age-old question that comes up, and the real question is not can I lose it or can I keep it. The real question is what constitutes a genuine born-again experience. Yeah, that's what I thought. Okay, you know, Marty, here, I'm going to just butt in, and I know it sounds very rude over the air and everything, this guy filibusters without ever answering that man's question. It was a very simple question. Does the man lose his salvation or not? Uh, of course, salvation can't be lost. It's the gift of God. That's what the Bible teaches. This guy's dancing all over the story. That's the way these guys do. Well, he must not really be saved if he doesn't do this, that, or the other thing. Repentance, faith, baptism works. What works? Well, whatever works. You know, you can't do too much of this and too much of that. Next thing you know, you're back right into Romanism. That's just exactly what this kind of thing is. Uh, it's a failure to distinguish between the gift of God, which is eternal life, and the prize of the calling on high, which has to do with the faithful living of a Christian life. This guy can't see the difference. He shouldn't be teaching. Uh, Joseph Webb, go ahead. This is incredible that the Apostle Paul himself spoke of false brethren that were in the midst, but he also spoke about those who allowed liberty to become license those who justified things that God would not justify in his word. And it says that without holiness, no man will see the Lord. And we're not talking about holiness anymore. I have a situation here in Florida where a woman in one church went down to the singles group and the pastor married her to six different men. And my question to John is, now which one is really her husband? Oh, oh, okay, let, let me ask you, uh, uh, Mr. Webb, I... Uh... I find it somewhat incredible that you believe that a man who remarries uh, maybe has uh, children by a uh, uh, another woman, not originally his wife, uh, that you apparently believe that his salvation is in jeopardy if he stays with that woman and raises that family. That uh, that that troubles me. Now uh, let me let me say something. I'll simply say what the scripture says. What constitutes adultery? Okay. Whoever divorces and remarries. Paul said, don't be deceived. Adulterers will not inherit God's kingdom. Now, you classify who is an adulterer. Right. I don't have yeah. to. God does. All right. Your time's up. Look, <laughs> uh, here's what the Apostle Paul, and this is for the listener. I mean, I'm not going to talk to this guy much. I'm going to just address the listener. Uh, here's the, how the Apostle, I want, I want the listeners to understand the way that people talked about the Apostle Paul. This is in Romans chapter 3. Here's the way he was slandered, and I think it's important to know how he was slandered, not just that he was slandered. Uh, it says, uh, if the truth of God is abounded more unto my lie, unto his glory. This is Romans 3, verse 7. Why yet am I also judged as, as a sinner? Now here's Romans 3, 8. And not rather, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say, this is the apostle and his company, were accused of saying, let us do evil that good may come, whose judgment or con condemnation is just. So I I'd just soon be with the apostle Paul and be slanderously reported that I affirm uh, uh, what he affirms. And, and they said to him, they, they said about the apostle, this is the early church fathers, by the way, uh, just like the apostle told uh, the, the elders in Ephesus, out of your own cells will rise up men, uh, and when I depart, so will wolves come in. Uh, 
this doctor, this kind of pernicious stuff, it's a piece of stoicism, it has all this nice little sound to it, but it leads to reckless, careless, wanton immorality, not just indeed, because I don't think somebody's going to actually act on this. As I told Marty before the broadcast, I'm concerned about the thought life of the believer because we can sin in thought, word, and deed. All right, let's. Uh, I've had uh, Dave here on hold for a long time. Dave, uh, welcome to the show. Uh, I haven't disconnected Joseph Webb, and John Malone is still with us. Go ahead. Are you there, David? David is not there. Let's see. David, is this you? Uh, let's see here. Tony, it's you. Hi. Hello? Yeah, Tony? Yeah, I had a question. Yeah. Um, if there was a woman who had had an adulterous affair, with a man, and as a result, uh, found out afterwards that she was in an adulterous relationship. Now she went on to marry another man who was a Christian. Uh, is that man a, is that man committing adultery with her? The the Christian man. Okay, good question, uh, Joseph Webb. You go first. I'm going to give you a minute. I don't understand the question. I'm sorry, Marty. Okay, stand by, Tony. Uh, re uh, re ask that question. Okay. The woman has committed adultery. Let's let's uh, give her name, Nancy. Nancy's committed adultery. Uh, is she married? Is Nancy married as you're talking? No. She later on married after she committed adultery. She later on married a man who was a Christian. Okay. Okay. Is that man committing adultery who's the Christian? Okay. All right. I think I can explain it. Uh, Nancy is unmarried. She uh, fornicates, has sex with someone she's not married to. Later, she goes on to uh, marry a Christian man. Uh, what's her status in your view, Joseph? Well, first of all, uh, I'm, I'm just trusting that she repented of her relationship there. But uh, sex does not make marriage. This is the thing you see. This is why so many are teaching. Well, if they've gone off and had sex with the other person, gets married to them, well, then they're married because they've had sex. Sex does not make the marriage. Otherwise, there would be no such thing as fornication. And uh, so, if she marries, just because she had sex with someone does not make her one flesh with them. If the other person was married, and first of all, and secondly, if they didn't make a commitment to each other, they were fornicating. But then if she marries someone else later and becomes a Christian, marries someone else, in God's sight, if it's under the blood, it's under the blood and forgiven forever because it's been repented of. And the same thing is true when people say, well, they repented of their first marriage. You can't repent of your first marriage. That wasn't sin. The second, the second relationship is the sin. And uh, what is interesting, too, uh, Marty, is the verse that he just read. I just couldn't believe how he brought that out uh, there in Romans. Okay. Uh, Paul was saying there that... Uh, uh, Stand by here for just a minute, uh, Joseph, and uh, I'll go to John for a minute, and we'll come back to the Scripture. John, go ahead. Well, of course, this is uh, this is where I thought with it, uh, Mr. Webb would be getting to, because here's what you see. You see, the problem isn't the, isn't the sexual relationships. The problem with him is the vow. See, it's the promise. In other words, if, you, if you'll just cohabit with a woman and never promise to marry her, and just live like like so many of our people are doing today. In fact, that is the predominant form of what we have today. So if you'll just cohabit with somebody and have sexual relations with them, children, doesn't matter, and never promise till death do us part, never say those things, you can have all the sexual benefits of marriage, uh, and uh, you and then and then. Uh, you can marry somebody else if you want to, but why do that? Why not just also live with them? So this is the kind of pernicious stuff that, that unwinds from a false doctrine. And, of course, 
No pernicious pernicious behavior unwinds from the Scripture. The Apostle Paul, with the final word on it, covers all the bases, and there's just no more sexual immorality going on if that passage of Scripture is followed. Okay, um, uh, Joseph Weber, respectfully, it seems like he's backed you into a corner there. Oh, I I can't believe it. He even make that kind of an implication of this. Uh, the The Apostle Paul, the same one who said, if adulterers will not inherit God's kingdom, it says much more in the Scripture about fornicators. Nobody's justifying it, but we're talking about sex, and we're talking about covenants. There are many people in the Old Testament who had sex with other people and never even implied that they became husband and wife when they had sex. The thing that God is concerned about with a married couple is the fact that they are in covenant. And when he said here in verse 9 of Romans, he said, Are we better than they? No, in no wise, for we have before proved the Jews. Uh, but he said, Let us do evil. He was, he was saying that there were those that were saying, Paul was saying, Let us do evil that good may come. He said, Anybody who says that, their damnation is just. Anybody who accuses me of saying, let us do evil, that good may come. That wasn't what Paul was saying at all. And he said, if you're saying that's what I'm saying, you need to be damned. Okay, one more uh, minute here. Uh, Well, let's see. I want to ask uh, Joseph Webb a question here, and I'll ask John the same question. It, it, uh, legal theory-wise, uh, according to biblical text, it seems to me, Joseph, that you're saying that a covenant cannot be broken. It seems to me that's where uh, you're hitching your wagon to. And, and, and that just, both from a biblical standpoint as well as a common sense standpoint, seems to me to be not credible. That, of, of course, God can break covenants uh, with whomever he chooses to break. He broke his covenant. He divorced Israel. Uh, you're saying there is no uh, legal, biblical way to break uh, covenant. Is that is that what I hear you saying? Well, he's actually... What, you, you use that portion in Jeremiah 3. He did give Israel a bill of divorce, but never implied that that meant he was not her husband anymore. He never even implied that, because he said, if you'll just repent, I'll take you back. In fact, that's why there's going to be a rejoining of Israel to God in the last days. That's why they're going to be converted in one day as a nation, because that's still God's wife. Well, of course, of course, that scripture was used in Jeremiah as an anomaly, because in the law, once a bill of divorcement was given, a man was not allowed to take that wife back. Well, you see, that's, uh, John, the first that's verse. That's the law. That's just the way it reads. You know, you, you have verse. a lot of trouble here with, you know, listening to, for example, you totally misconstrued, well, just misunderstood how I read Romans 3a. You were accusing me of saying, let us do uh, evil that good may come, and I just wanted to point out to the listener that, yeah, okay, I'm in good company. That's what people accuse the Apostle Paul of. Uh, Joseph, I, I, I'd like to ask about John's question uh, there. In the Old Testament, if a man divorced a woman, he couldn't uh, take her back. That's right. And that's why in Jeremiah 3, let's go back to that chapter now. God is speaking. And in the first verse, God speaking says, they say. He didn't say, I said. He said, they say. And he quotes Deuteronomy 24. And that's why he said, that's why he gave the illustration. But he says, that's not the way I think, Israel. Because I, you have committed adulteries against me over and over again, and I've given you a bill of divorcement. And he didn't go seeking another wife, and he said, if you'll only repent, I'll take you back, because you are still my wife. So that's why when Jesus was talking in the, uh, in the 10th chapter of, of Mark, and they came and asked him, uh, 
about is it lawful to put away his wife tempting him? And he answered and said, And what did Moses command you? And they said, Moses suffered to write a bill of divorce and put him away. And Jesus answered and said unto them, For the hardness of your heart, Moses wrote you that precept. But from the beginning, every time God says but from the beginning, and I say unto you, you can mark off that there's a new day coming right now. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, cleave to his wife, and they too shall be one flesh, so they are no more twain. I don't know how it can be any plainer. Okay, okay but, but earlier you said if uh, Nancy divorces Jim, that ultimately she should go back to Jim, regardless of uh, how many marriages, uh, civil marriages, uh, to, to clarify it, uh, she's had. That seems to be contradicting the Old Testament standard. He has the right to divorce any couple. Let, 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 me, uh, let me say something here, especially because it's my hour, you know. Um, <laughs> the, the, a Christian is never uh, given liberty, and the Apostle Paul didn't give himself himself liberty to marry an unbeliever. In fact, the Scripture says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, when we, when we have uh, the unbeliever departing, and he says, let him depart, a brother and sister is not in bondage in such circumstances, I'm sure Mr. Webb would have him go back and chase after that person because of their covenant that he alleges. Of course, the Bible doesn't allege any covenants there. Now, uh, he's not really free to go back and marry that unbeliever. The Apostle Paul said, am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Can I not lead about a sister wife as the other apostles, such as Peter? Uh, and, of course, even with widows, and uh, which apparently Mr. Webb has been one of, uh, they're only ta allowed to marry, and uh, yet, yet only in the Lord. They're not allowed to marry an unbeliever. So, I mean, he's advising all kinds of violations of scriptures, all kinds of them. Well, you see, what you're implying now, John, is that the marriage law only applies to Christians. If that's the case, then the only people on earth that can commit adultery are Christians. I didn't apply that one stitch. You just said that. I never said that one. I didn't imply it. I don't mean it. I don't believe it. And I never said it. I don't know what... You know, I you, misunderstood you what you just said. You with so many different people, you don't know who says what. Then I misunderstood what you just said. Well, well, here's what I just said. A Christian is only free to marry in the Lord. He is not free to marry an unbeliever. What... what I'm curious, uh, if, if, in view of that, uh, Joseph, if a believer marries an unbeliever, do you think that is actually a marriage? Absolutely. That's why Paul said also in the 6th chapter of Romans that... Uh, oh, I think it's a marriage. Pardon me? I think it's a marriage. But he's not. But it's a wrong. You know, it's a wrong thing for him to do. Now he's got an unbelieving spouse, and he's to stay with them if they plead. If they're pleading. Absolutely right. In but fact, if they, they stay with them, he might win them to Christ. It said. Well, no, it doesn't say that they might win them to Christ. In fact, it implies that they will not win them to Christ. I don't know how you read your Bible. Before the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. As long, your as, they, as, long as they remain with them. But when they leave them, it actually, the Scripture turns around and says, how do you know you'll save your husband? How do you know you'll save your wife? Oh, absolutely, With yes. the implication being you won't. What he's saying is, by staying there, you have the Holy Spirit able to work in their lives. But when, but when the unbeliever departs, the bondage is the bond is broken. No, no, you're using the word you bondage for bond. The bond is broken. Well, that's because marriage is a bond. You well, keep me, saying covenant, but the Bible doesn't. It let calls me, what, it let me a tell bond. You, let me tell you what F.B. Meyer says that word means uh, in uh, uh, Dulamo, and uh, it means... That is not Dulamo. I'm sorry? That word is not Dulamo. It is, Dulamo. It's Du-Lu. 
Dulamo in the the text for that particular word, according to uh, the uh, uh, Strong's Concordance. Young's Concordance and okay, fine, same number, fourteen o two. Yeah, but anyway, the word there actually means, according to F. B. Meyer, not a um, um, excuse me, a state of servility, of slavery, of being uh, misused treated as a vassal slave or a chattel mortgage. He's saying you don't have to stay in that situation anymore. Go back up to verses 10 and 11 when, when and operate leave, there. When they leave you, you see, when they leave you, yes. you're not in that situation anymore. A well, brother or sister is not in chattel. But it, when it comes to your body, your body is chattel property in marriage. And I don't know if you're still married or not, but, I mean, in in uh, in, in marriage... The fact is, your body belongs to somebody else. Well, is her husband still alive? Who? The unbelieving husband. Is he still alive if he leaves? Is he still alive, or is she still in, in bondage? No, I'm asking you, when he leaves, he has to be alive to leave, right? Well, I think so. Okay, then Paul is schizophrenic again. If he well, means that's what you say, but I don't have any problem. I mean, he's dealing with each... If each while her husband liveth, she be married to another that's man, she should widow. be adult. That's the widow. Do we have a widow on no, her No, 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 that's no. That's the advice he gave no, the No, you, you misunderstood me, John. I said, if while her husband lives, she's not a widow, she be married to another man, she should be called an adulteress. If she marries while her husband is still alive. The last word, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, thou shalt be saved, and it's that simple and you won't You can lose. hear BibleStudy.net with John Malone, Monday through Friday from 5 to 6 p.m. here on AM 660 KCL Row, Omaha.